It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. On with the show. other blanket that I made wow so many blankets I just love blankets and pillows I want to be comfortable all the time is my problem you're gonna be so cozy yes that's my goal all right here we go (laughs) welcome to the Top Care Environment Girl podcast Jeff Johnson gonna be live from upstairs studio in studio via the zoo I think she might be drinking wine Samantha she is I think this is actually the first time I've like had an alcoholic beverage during the recording of the child care bar and grill. No, you had a beer or something Did at I? one time, I think. Did I? That yeah. sounds like something I might have done, but yes, that was, that was I am. That before I you am. were an official co-host, so. <laughs> yes, I am. I am drinking some wine. Uh, congratulations. I, 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 yes. I, I might uh, step across the room and get the uh, the whiskey out in a little bit, but I got to finish my Ooh, So uh, it's a party. So now, Yes. I was at the uh, was at the butcher counter the other day. Exciting. And, uh, uh, I, I know this is probably disgusting to you as a vegan, but you know, well, to- it's funny you mentioned that because I've actually transitioned away from veganism recently. All right, good. Part, partly because I got COVID and like needed to eat food, but could like there was nothing for me. And my husband was like, "Can I make you eggs?" And I, was like, I don't care. Fine, please. I'm just like I'm. I need sustenance. Okay, well, this this sounds really good to me. You should try. They, they make a, they make a little thing. They make it out of the cows. They call it steak. Um, you should you should. Uh, I mean, if you ate an egg, I you do. Steak. I do owe Dan, I do owe Dan steak. I, I said like multiple times whilst he was caring for me while sick. I was like, I'm gonna make you a steak, which might be a bad idea because I have not cooked steak in like seven years. But I bet I could figure it out. Just don't overcook it. Don't overcook it. Okay, so I'm at the butcher counter and I start talking to this uh, this young lady. She was probably right at that borderline between two and three. She's sitting and she's not there by herself. She's sitting in the car. I was gonna say it's like she's the butcher, right? She's, <laughs> she's chopping that meat. And she's she's showing me her 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 new shoes that she says are oh. too small for her, but they're they're a little bit big because you know you buy them because she's gonna outgrow them in about right because you're gonna day. grow, yeah. And mom says no, they're they're not they're not too little. They're a little bit too big you'll grow into them and then she starts talking about um i want a leg i want a leg of lamb okay and mom looks at her and because they don't have they i mean they could order me order you up some lamb if you want it but lamb isn't kind of a a thing that's always available in the case sure yeah and so and mom is kind of wondering what that is and she keeps she, she keeps talking about leg of lamb 
And we figure out in a minute or two that it's not Legoland she's talking. She's talking about Legoland because she wants to go to Legoland. She doesn't want a leg of lamb. Um, See, the, the nerd in me is like, is she talking about Lego Loss from Lord of the Rings? <laughs> is that what she's interested in? Because uh, about four and a half hours uh, north of us in uh, in the the great state of Minnesota, where they have they keep Mall of America, they have the great big Legoland oh. play play place, and uh, she had been there sometime in her little life, and she <laughs> at that moment wanted to go back uh, right. to leave the butcher counter and go to Legoland to leave um, the Lego lamb for the Lego land. Yeah, and, and that just that just tells me that this child has not eaten enough lamb because the, a Lego <laughs> lamb is much better than Lego land. Uh, so I, I thought that was just kind of fun just because the, the context of language, because uh, I mean, if we would have been on our way to, I don't know why I would be going to, uh, to Lego land with them. Uh, <laughs> if, if you were. If the three of us were on our way to Legoland, we would have heard Legoland, but because we were sitting at the butcher counter, we heard Lake of Lamb. So I thought like was, Lego Lamb. That's fantastic. Yeah. I'm, oh I'm, my I'm, gosh. The story isn't as, as great as the uh, the vertical poop one I told the last time we were together, but uh, it was a thing that happened. But that, um, it's a quality story. You should be proud. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna, gonna save them both. Uh, so you you threw this topic at me. Parent pressure. I've got no idea. I what it's did. About. Let's jump into it. It could be about many things, but I I threw this topic at you earlier today uh, because a I neglected to respond to your text message yesterday because I was prepping for conferences. So in a break between parent teacher conferences, I was like, my God, you have to respond to Jeff. And something had happened at a conference we had just had that got me thinking about this idea of, of parent pressure, both on children, the pressure parents put on children and the pressure parents put on teachers. But um, so what had happened at this conference with this family who I, I mean, I will I will fully preface it. Nobody in the school has a particularly stellar relationship with this family. Um, we not for lack of trying as far as we know, for lack of trying the methods that have worked for us with other families, I'm sure like, could we do something different? I'm sure we could. Um, do we have the time to invest in other resources? I don't, I don't really think we do at this point. But um, like we know them and we're, we're cordial with them, but they're not, they don't respond to a lot of emails. They don't respond to a lot of um, photos, et cetera, that, that kind of thing. So when, when this parent came in for the conference, you know, we're excited to talk with them. And the first thing that happens is they start flipping through the evaluation that we had to give them. We are required by our accreditation agency to provide some sort of evaluation. Uh, so ours is primarily based in attitudes, not necessarily specific skills. So it doesn't say can count to 20 for pre-kindergartners. It says displays interest in value and quantity. Um, and the way, how do you describe displays interest? That's kind of up to the teachers. So that's kind of a little fun little way that we kind of wiggle around the uh, eval requirement. Anyway, uh, they, you know, they're, they're looking at these and they say, so who made this curriculum? And I, I mean, I'll be honest, I got a little bit activated at that because I care a lot about my colleagues and my coworkers and I care a lot about this profession. Uh, this parent is not involved in education anyway. They're in a completely different industry. Uh, and so I, I say, so this actually isn't the curriculum. This is an evaluation. We pulled two different sources for this. One is from a research 
firm, I believe in Massachusetts. I can pull it up for you if you're interested, but I, you know, I don't remember the name right now. And then the other thing is the state of Hawaii has early learning standards. And so if you see at the bottom, those little letters and numbers reflect the state of Hawaii's early learning standards, which go from birth through the end of kindergarten. He's like, well, how come none of this is like foundational learning? And I think to myself, what? <laughs> and so I say, well, this, this, is, the, this is how in our school with our philosophy, we describe foundational learning. It's about the attitudes that children hold towards different experiences and towards, you know, sort of their habits of mind. It's like, yeah, but what about counting? What about writing your name properly? I come from XYZ education system internationally, and I was, I was reading and writing by age three. So if you don't have these foundational skills, how, how is the kid going to thrive? And I think at that point, it's kind of when um, I needed to like actually physically check my face. I think I was making a bit of a face. I was like, I hear that. And for us, these are the foundational skills because knowing what one plus one is, is not as interesting to us as knowing why one plus one is two. We're interested in their habits of mind and their thinking more so than rote memorization. And there is a place for memorizing facts. This parent's not having any of that uh, and starts asking us, so you know, our, our other daughter skipped kindergarten. So how can we prepare this daughter to do that? And I say, well, she's four. So I wouldn't be comfortable even broaching that topic because she is four. I, I, that, that, that's not even really anything on our radar right now. Like, yeah, well, so, so what should we be doing? Like what, what kind of activities will help her? you know, what kind of addition, like, should I be supplementing at home to really empower her to learn more? Um, and at that point, I had to stop speaking. And one of the other teachers had to step in because I think I was, I was just so, and she, she did a fantastic job of, of really kind of explaining that, well, I don't think we really need to put that pressure on her. I think, I think allowing her just to continue coming to our program and doing all of these different things she loves, like this dramatic play and these arts and the building with the blocks is what we're going, how we're going to see her build all of these other skills that you're describing. So that was interesting. Um, the, the twofold, the pressure on us to have to defend our curriculum uh, this is a, this is a school parents choose to come to. There's a wait list. Like it's not, the curriculum's not a surprise to anybody. Uh, and the pressure put on this child to need to skip kindergarten and need to learn specific skills now at age four because of some reason. So part of me is wondering, did I handle that interaction with that parent well? Uh, I think I handled it okay. Um, and then part of me is wondering, you know, is, is, is that kind of pressure a lost cause or is there something I can be doing as a classroom educator to uh, pull parents back down to reality, I guess, of letting their kids be kids? I, I got it and you don't have to tell me I don't want it, but what, what does this parent do for a living? Give, give me like a category. Entertainment industry. Entertainment industry. 
I can so, I can give you more specifics later, but I you know I, people yeah. know where I live. I don't want. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, not a not like a research neurologist or. No, and I think that's one of the reasons I got very defensive very quickly. Yeah. Is like, bro, you, you don't research this. I research this, and I don't even research this. I just read other people's research. Could you have asked? And before I before I suggest this, uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm a jerk. Uh, that's fair. So could you have asked, why do you need your daughter to skip kindergarten? Why do you need your daughter to skip kindergarten? No, I, I think that like, I was left with that question and uh -huh. I wish I had asked because it, it, it was made to sound like this, this is the utmost important thing, but there mm -hmm. was no reason given as to why apart from our other daughter did that. But I don't, actually think their other daughter did that i think their other daughter was too old to enroll in kindergarten at that point and was just placed in first grade because she didn't go to public kindergarten to like i i think that is the scenario that happened mm -hmm. um and it's being told in a different way so that yeah. was interesting yeah i mean the, i mean the, the real answer is uh how do we skip kindergarten well you don't send them to school till they're seven Right, you don't go to kindergarten, which but, fun fact in the state of Hawaii is illegal. You have to go to kindergarten here. Uh, oh man, that's why I could never live there. Um, yeah, I mean that, and you know the the other. Yeah, and and eight eight dollars a gallon for milk or whatever it is. Uh, yeah, uh, it's six six dollars for a dozen eggs right now. So. Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> the other question I would ask is: You started reading at three. What was the last book you read? Um, I would I would ask because I mean if you started a reading at three, but then you stopped when you were mm -hmm. seventeen and a half. Doesn't really matter much. Doesn't, doesn't really matter. Um, but but that's, that a, that's really good. That that doesn't move anything forward. That's just a way, I guess, to be dickish and snarky. Like, so I don't think that sometimes is the things snark justified. <laughs> But they feel really good to talk about on the podcast. It's like, yeah, sure. I could have it's like when you're in the car later and you're winning the argument. You're like, ah, yeah. I could have said that. That would have been so great. Yeah. And so, but I mean, the, the reality of it is though, parents, they, they can be a pressure point for caregivers because they, yeah. I mean, look, um, and, and you can't really hold it against them too much because parents want the best for their kid and absolutely some, some some people their their mindset is that that knowing a thing and memorizing this thing by this particular age gives you a leg up and they don't really understand that you know memorizing something isn't really knowing it um right in the great depth and that for that four-year-old, it's probably better that they have the social skills and self-regulation skills and an interest in in engaging the world more when they enter school than than being able to count to 20 in Cantonese or any other language. Right, which is cool to be able to do, well, sure. but that's not that's not an indicator of of long-term success or achievement or fulfillment it, it kind of reminds me something i was reading recently was, was about this idea of how in our society we define success as something that continues forever like you're only successful if you open a coffee shop and it continues forever 
if you do it for five years and you had a great time with your community and now you're ready to move on and you close the coffee shop, it's a failed business because it didn't last forever. But what about all those great connections you made? What about the great things you learned, the people you trained, the people who have now started their own businesses, that kind of thing? You know, why do we define success as it has to continue forever? Why do we define a successful child as one who knows things the earliest as possible? Like, and this is not the first time this parent has told us that they were reading and writing by three. They seem like, that seems to be to them a very big indicator of their success, I guess. And to me, it's, uh, my only reaction is kind of like citation needed. Yeah, what, what, what was the Three, last thing you wrote? That would be my question. What was the last thing you wrote? Uh, right. Because if it's your grocery list every week, then yeah. Then what the fuck? What was, it, what, what was it? What was the last thing you read? And how come it wasn't the email we sent you? <laughs> <laughs> you know. I, Whoops. Look, par- I mean, parenting is hard, and and so it I mean, is. It seems it- terrible. What? It seems wonderful yeah. and terrible. But in mad respect to parents, I don't know how y'all do it. Uh, it, it, so, I mean, I guess what programs can do is, is you just kind of, you just kind of, you, you be water and yeah. you let the, the parents that are like that parent just kind of flow over you and, uh, you, you just become a, a rock in the stream and, and let I, them I will say one thing that was really helpful is knowing that I am at a school where, everything I believe about how children learn also goes into the stated philosophy of the school. So mm-hmm. I knew that the people, the people I was working, not only the teachers I work with, but also my director have my back in everything I said. Yeah. Like I, I know that they, they're not going to turn around and say, Oh, you're right. We will do a little extra worksheets with her. They're not, they're not going to do that. They're going to say, yeah, no, we don't do that for a reason. Um, and if that is something that is important to you, here's a list of programs that might be able to accommodate your needs, but yeah. we're, we're not going to bend for that. Yeah. So I, I think the, the only you. real way to do it without being a, being a real dick about it is when they ask, why aren't they counting? Why aren't they writing? Why aren't they this or that is, 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 is to really throw it back at them is why, why do you need them? Or what, what, what makes you right. think they need to be doing that now? Yeah. And, I had another parent during conferences too, whose, whose big question was about um, how he, he doesn't write his letters the right way. He starts at the bottom and sometimes they're backwards. And I usually at this point is when I will say, so my, my background is elementary education and I did not co- correct letter reversals until the middle of second grade. So they were eight until they, I know they've had a lot of time to be reading and writing and playing with letters. And now that I'm, now that they're doing it on the reg and the B is always backwards. Now I understand that something is a little bit mixed up there and we got, we have to work on it. But for a long time, they're still playing with them and playing with how to form them and how to do it. So, and I, I did, I will say with that, with the other family, I think I, I was a little more um, able to ask them like, well, why, why do you need him to be writing them? in a certain way he's for he's not doing a lot of writing he's he's not forming policy memos or anything he wants to write down the names of the people he wants to invite to his birthday party and if he can read them that's fine you know i we don't have like we know it's a g even though it's backwards so what does it matter so much to us he will eventually notice it doesn't look like the other g's 
Yeah, I was listening to a, a podcast. I've started listening to this podcast guy. Um, I can't remember his name right now. He say he's a neurologist. Some um, it's some guy, but uh, Stan. I think he he teaches at Stanford Medical School, someplace like that. Um, so it's it's a it's a great podcast. And so, but one of the things he was he was talking about over over a couple episodes about neuroplasticity and and the way we learn is is and and I knew this was a thing, but I didn't know it was as much of a thing as he makes it is learning building those neural connections is so much about the mistakes we make yeah Um, absolutely those those are the moments when the learning happens and so making those letters backwards and saying seven before before six or whatever it is all of those are are opportunities to to be building those those robust neural pathways, all those mistakes, the the big mistakes and the little mistakes kids make as they're as they're bumping up against uh, all the learning that they're doing are that's when the real learning happens. And so right. one of the things we can do with with parents when we're we're kind of trying to turn down the the flame of pressure under things is to to help help them understand that those those mistakes are when the learning is happening and and in, in those are the early years we we want them to have plenty of opportunities for those mistakes and not get self-conscious about it. Right. And that, that was a big thing, especially with the parents um, that were talking to me about uh, the, the letters being incorrect. Something that I, I really wanted to impart to them was, you know, telling him he's doing it wrong over and over is going to make him not want to do it because then the, the message is you do this wrong. Whereas if it's really important to you, so, you know, periodically, if, if a kid writes a, writes a letter or, or writes a name, sometimes, uh, especially with older children, like in, in first grade, I would point out, you know, oh, your, your S looks different from the one above. And that's all I would like, it just looks different. And then a lot of times they'd be like, oh, yeah, I think it's backwards. And then they would erase it and try it again. And sometimes they wouldn't. They'd say, yeah, that's how I make mine. And I always with writing and with writing and reading, I always refer to it as um, especially with writing, there's there's book words and then there's war words. So like when they do that kind letter like symbols and they tell mm-hmm. me what it says, I'm like, yeah, that, those are your words. And then when they ask me how to write it, I'm like, well, you did write it. You wrote it with your words and your letters. If you want to write it with book letters, let me know. And I, I you know, I can show you where those letters are around the classroom if you want to copy them down. But like, I, I want them to f- know that yes, they are writing. They are not using the conventional squiggles that make up what we all recognize as English letters, but they're ma- using their own squiggles that they can read to me. And that's good enough. Like, I, what more do I need from you? You're for her. So to, to give them, you know, that kind of language and that, that feeling of you're not doing something wrong just because you don't do it the way that your older brother does it. That, that part was important to me. And I think those parents left kind of understanding it, but I think they were sort of looking for me to say like, oh, here's a program you can use so he'll write it better. Yeah. I, I, I kind of got, I got a little bit of, of that impression as well, but I think they know me well enough to know that I won't give them that. Yeah. <laughs> like you're, Sorry. I've met four, five, six-year-olds who who will make letters upside down or backwards and 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 they, i mean they would tell me that, well, I, that's yeah that's the way i do it 
Um, yeah, exactly. And, That's right. And like, okay, I can make the B the quote unquote right way, but this is the way I want to do it now. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, at that age, fine. When you, when yeah. you, you know, you're, you're in high school and you're, you're, you're writing a APE English paper or something, maybe you want to make the B's the, the standard way that the teacher might be, right. might be happier with that. But when you're, when you're four and a half, um, you be you. Uh, because yeah, it's really, not hindering you at all. It's not yeah. hindering your communication. It's not hindering your happiness. Yeah, and I think those parents that have that pressure, and and look, a little bit of pressure now and then is probably a good a good thing. There were times so, yeah. in my life I probably could have I could have lived with a little bit more pressure, a little, <laughs> a little bit bigger better bigger flame under me to uh to uh to get things right. Um, but I, I think a lot of those the parents who are kind of wired for that, they feed in to that push push push. Um, no wrong answers, keep moving forward, that really leads into a lot of the anxiety um, around school that, that uh, I mean, in grades three and four, we're having, ki- there, there are kids that are having panic yeah. attacks um, because, of, because of academic worries, and they, they shut down, they, they quit asking questions or participating because they don't want to give the wrong answer because mm-hmm. if you don't have the right answer, then why even open your mouth? And so that takes out of it the opportunity to, to make mistakes. Um, and that, that doesn't, the next 10 or 15 years of schooling for some of them is going to be very, very joyful or, or pleasurable. Yeah. And, you know, you're going to go into, yeah, you could read at three, but you're not reading now. You know, you could, you could do math at, at two and a half. You could add, but you're not interested in finding solutions to problems now because it became such a hassle such a chore something you were so worried about having to get right all the time yeah and and another part of it is that and i'm going to say this thing and i'm not going to cite a source because i can't remember but if you email me and tell me to find it for you i'll do my best um my understanding is that a lot of that stuff that is forced on kids very early to actually and what they end up the the quote-unquote learning they do is is basically just memorizing what the adult wants to hear and then to actually learn the thing they have to have to unwire what they what they quote-unquote learned before they can learn it right I don't know if I said that right but that's a thing right no I I know exactly what you're talking about this this idea that that children um like like take um Oh, there's a, there's a great, there's a great Patricia Polacco book about this, um, about how she learned to memorize words, but could not read, uh, but made it to like third or fourth grade. And finally had one teacher who was asking, like asked her to read something and she could not do it. And, you know, she broke down and her teacher was like, you poor thing. No one, no one noticed that you couldn't do this. Of course, we're going to do this together. And so they had to start over with learning letters, learning sounds, and then putting them together to make words and then reading books. And now she, and then she became a prolific children's author uh, and illustrator. So yeah, no, there's definitely, there's a lot of evidence to support pushing pushing your kid to do this thing early is going to hurt them in the long run or make them stress out in the long run as opposed to letting them kind of develop it reinforcing those skills when it's age appropriate 
and then letting them sit with it and figure it out on their own. I was very slow on the uptake for math. Like I, I, it didn't, the way it was taught to me did not make sense to me very easily. I, I struggled with it a lot. Um, my dad can tell you, I cried a lot in the living room when he would try to like go over things with me and it, it did not click in my brain. It did not click for, and I, I felt terrible about it because up until like fifth grade, I was good at math and I was, I was good at everything. And then all of a sudden it wasn't just memorizing. It was having uh -huh. to solve for X. It was having to figure things out. And it's like, whoa, that's not what math is. Math is just one through 10. What, what is this? I cannot do, I cannot do decimals. What the hell does that mean? And I struggled with it for a long time until I figured out there are other ways to learn how to do this and other ways of thinking about it. Like you can, you can have visual representations to help you with it. You can go through these things. And then I, I lost a lot of my math things. I like, I, I stopped being so anxious about math and now it is something I enjoy working with, with children who ask. I used to be like, if kids wanted to do like math stuff with me, like if they wanted to play a math game with me, I would, I would panic. Like, oh no, I don't, I don't do that. And now I'm like, hell yeah, let's do, let's talk about numbers. Let's do patterns. That sounds awesome. But you know, it, it took, it took a long time well, for that I to mean, be okay. The, the school might've been asking you to do things that your brain just wasn't ready for yet. Because oh yeah. This is, is when we, we've applied that pressure when, if, if they're not ready, they're not ready. And, and right. sure, some kids do read at three and some read at 13. And if you take those two same people and look at them at the age of 45, you're not going to tell any difference between, you can't no. look at them and say, hey, oh, look at that guy over there. He, he could read when he was three. I just, right. just look, look at the way he carries himself. No, you know, that, that doesn't happen. Um, and so- But and you so will know that guy when you're in the conference room and he is tackling the problem and not like making it a personal issue right? You'll know the people that have had problem solving skills from a young age because they are actually able to solve problems. And so I don't think the problem I think we'll never solve is the, the pressure from parents problem. But I Probably think the, not. the best we can do is, is try to have honest conversations, try to be informative, try to in, inject a little bit of humor when you can. Try not to be a dick. Um, try! If you can, I mean, there's only so much you can do. I no, you can probably do it. Your listener, you're you're a much better person than listener, I. Listener, you're a great person. <laughs> Have we mentioned that you are? Your hair looks so good today, listener. You're, you're, oh my gosh, you must be using a new conditioner, huh? It, it's just great. <laughs> it's um, so bouncy and smooth. Uh, these episodes always end weird. Um, okay, so. I what is the wrap up? Like, what do we have a formula for episodes? I thought it was just like, nah, well, the, the timer gets to a certain time. And I think, well, that's about time we wrap this one up. And then we, we <laughs> stop some way. That's how it usually works. Uh, Great. Any final, any final thoughts or insights, Sam? Um, I'm hoping I didn't completely botch these relationships with these parents. But, you know, I think I have more learning to do with how to support parental pressure and pressure from society and how we how we talk about that as a school maybe yeah. maybe that's where where some of my work can be done well you'll see figuring if, the kid, that out. if the kid comes back tomorrow everything's good yeah 
yeah, we'll see. Hey, hey, listeners, uh, the second, uh, the last third of this episode, I, uh, I took a couple sips of, uh, with this new Irish whiskey I picked up the other day, uh, it's called Writer's Tears. Um, uh, that sounds sad. It's a triple distilled Irish whiskey. It's uh, it's quite delightful. Um, they're not a sponsor of the show, but they should be. But they uh, could be. <laughs> this is the Child Care Barn Girl podcast. We'll be back soon. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Mahalo. This has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.